You're listening to episode 17 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that through the ups and downs, we're all in this together. How do you create space for authentic relationships in your life? How do you manage your time in order to nurture your mind, body, and soul? In this episode of Becoming Aligned, we dive into these topics with my guest, Erin Alexander. Erin is a psychologist, an athlete, a devoted family member, friend, and partner. And she is someone who is actively working towards creating positive change and opportunity for others. She has so many wonderful insights. I'm really excited to share our conversation and to, and to introduce you to Erin Alexander. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for being on the Becoming Aligned podcast. I'm so excited to have you on here today and just appreciate you taking the time to be here. Hi, Mo. I am very excited to be here. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Um, yeah, I just I, I think it's going to be a really cool experience. Yay, I do too. And uh, the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast are because you're someone I really feel lives a life that truly like aligns with your values. And it just feels like you have a real solid sense of who you are and what you are all about and that you actively work to make time to live a life based on those values. At least that's how it comes to, it comes across to me. And you're just, you're passionate and you're invested in your work, your personal growth, your volunteer activities, and your friends and family. You live like a very full life, um, which I know can be busy and probably overwhelming at times, but it also seems to just be very, very rewarding. And I'd love to take some time over the course of the hour to explore your passions, your work, and how you're investing in your own personal growth while still like staying grounded and and having fun. So if you're up for that, I'd love to kind of dive into some of those topics. Great. Um, Absolutely. Yay. (laughs) But but before we get into like all of those things, like would you mind just telling everyone a little bit about yourself? I know it's a big question, but Mm -hmm. however you'd Mm -hmm. like to answer. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, hmm, Hmm. all about me. I <laughs> I um, am a psychologist, mm-hmm. and I guess I lead with that because it takes up a lot of space in my life, but it takes up space in a really good way. Yeah. Um, I love what I do for a living. Uh, as you share, you know, I'm passionate about my work. I'm passionate about being the best psychologist I can possibly mm. be, and being a psychologist is the type of profession where you're you are your tool. And so mm-hmm. it's very important for me to make sure that I'm well and mm-hmm. for me to be in a healthy place to be effective as a clinician. And then that benefits me personally. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's, a, it's a big part of my life. So I'm a psychologist. Um, I have been an athlete my entire life. Mm-hmm. That's another big part of my identity. I played sports as a child um, and went all the way through high school, all the way through college took a bit of a break uh, for graduate school. And then after graduate school, I picked up all sorts of sports again. Yeah. And um, just I'm very passionate about health and wellness and fitness and being active and sports actually have, they've done a lot for me throughout mm-hmm. my life. So that's a big part of my identity. Um, I have been living in the Midwest all of my life. Well, Midwest and Texas. I don't yeah. know if Texas is its own entity. It doesn't continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm Texan. I'm not, you know, I'm not American. I'm Texan. Right. Yeah. So um, uh, I guess technically it's supposed to be the Southwest. But yeah. I've been in Missouri, Illinois, and Texas um, most of my life. And I think that also has shaped who, I've, who I am. Mm. My family has also been a big influence on who I am. And so when I, when I think about me and who I am and how mm. I want to describe myself to people, I very quickly will delve into family. Yeah. Uh, My parents, yeah, my parents are in Missouri. Um, My brothers, one is in Missouri, one is in Texas. Uh, He he moved back down to Texas about 10 years ago, I think. 
Um, he's in Houston. So family, family's huge for me. And I have family, extended family kind of all over the country, but my family's really important for me. Mm. Um, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are some highlights, I guess. Those are great. Those are great. <laughs> yeah. 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 You talked about, um, family and the value of them. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to come back to that, but like, what is, mm-hmm. what, how do you, how do you feel like they've most shaped you? I mean, that's another huge question I know, but it is right. <laughs> Yeah, um, so many ways. I think about my family. I I have been blessed to be in a family where my elders, my my so my parents, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents, have always been really good role models. And so mm-hmm. I think it's truly a blessing to have older people in your family, in your life, that you can look to for guidance, and you can look to for support. You can look to for modeling. Um, and some of the earliest examples that I got from my parents is, is a work ethic, you know, work mm. hard. Um, you know, this was in a, a, a movie, a Denzel Washington movie, The Great Debaters. And, it, and oh, yeah. it's brilliant. You know, you, you do what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do. Ooh. And that was what they, they, they told us that. They demanded that we did that and they lived that. You know, yeah. my parents, um, you know, they, went, they got up and went to work every day no matter what. Um, they never took vacation. Now, as an adult, I recognize that there probably should have been a little bit more balanced with that. Right. And actually, and that goes back to the psychology piece. As I start, as I stepped outside of my family bubble and started to learn and grow and experience mm. other ways of being, I was able to go back in a loving way to my parents and say, "Hey, you know, you guys have been working hard all this yeah. time. It's okay. You know, it's okay to." relax and have fun right Um, it's okay to take vacation it's okay to not go to work you know so um and they I think once they got all of their kids up and out and like launched and they (laughs) saw that we were doing well right they could exhale and say okay (sighs) let me enjoy my life a little bit more um but yeah so that 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 so that's the big thing that stands out so the the work ethic um my family's very loving and supportive and affirming Mm. Um, I have a huge support system. I've never felt alone. I've never felt, even though I don't live in the same state as my parents mm-hmm. and my brothers and I have been separated our whole adult lives. I'm very close to all of them. They're just a phone call away, yeah. a car ride, a plane ride. And so just knowing that you have that kind of unconditional love and support, no matter what, it mm. really has bolstered and fortified me, you know, throughout my time I'm here in Chicago. Um, because I pretty much came up here. Um, I have an aunt and uncle here, but yeah. I came up here for graduate school and left my family, my, my larger family support system. And um, but have been okay. But I've yeah. been okay um, because my family is still very present, even at this age, very present in my life. Oh, I love that. Like, and that work ethic—that's something that I feel mm-hmm. like I see in you. You know, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. just and mm-hmm. all the things that you're involved in. And I know we're gonna kind of dive into more of those things that you're active in later. But I love yeah. to like try to envision Erin as a little kid, and <laughs> what she would be getting herself into, and like, what would you just get totally absorbed in? Things that would like make you lose track of time, like. Your your parents would have to be calling like, okay, Aaron, like time to come in oh, or yeah. whatever it was, or oh, like yeah. stop what you're doing. Like you just hours have gone by and you don't even know what you were lost in. But what were those types of things for you? Oh gosh. So when I think about a moment like that, it would probably involve me and one or both of my brothers, and we're outside hmm. playing something. Yeah. Um. And so you know what my favorite times as a child, and then you know funny enough, as an adult, are the days where I can just go outside mm. and be random yeah. and not have to be anywhere yeah. um, and just get, lo- get lost in the city. You know, so mm. my partner and I, our favorite things to do in the summer is to get on our bikes and just ride around the city. <sighs> Love it. Maybe stop at a restaurant, maybe stop and have a drink, you know, stop and yeah. hang out at the beach and just see where the day takes you. Yes. So then me as a, a little me, as a kid, um, that's what that's what my brothers and I would do. You know, we would Aww. go outside, and um, there were we always lived in a neighborhood where there were lots of kids, and everybody. And it's funny when I look back on it, everybody was so athletic, um, yeah. and so we would play. You know, we would either be on our bikes, you know, doing crazy, dangerous tricks without helmets. <laughs> <laughs> 
hilarious. Um, we would be playing some sport, or we would create some kind of tournament or some kind yeah. of competition, and we would just play and play and play. It's our parents would have to tell us to come in, or especially when we lived in Texas, because it gets so hot in the summertime. Oh, my goodness. Um, our parents would have to tell us to come in and drink water, come in and cool <sighs> off. My mom made us come in in the hottest part of the day, which is actually like later in the afternoon. She'd make us come in and read every day, Aww. which felt like torture, but, right. you know, one of those good life lessons or whatever. Um, so we, but yeah, that, that they would have to disrupt what, you know, whatever we had gotten ourselves into in terms of uh, the, the game or the activity or the tournament. Uh, and I, I loved that then. And I love being able to do that now. That's awesome. Okay. So I know you're, you're an athlete and I know you played, you mm-hmm. know, in college, but it sounded like you mm-hmm. played all sports. It wasn't like, you know, immediately basketball was your thing. It was like, you sounds right. like you, you were involved in a bunch of different things. How did you like, did yeah. you just, just like start playing basketball and just realize you had a talent for it and you enjoyed it and that's what you kind of pursued for college or were your like options wide open? Did you have a couple things you were considering exploring? So for college, I could have done volleyball, basketball, or track. Oh, goodness. And by that age, yeah, by that age, basketball was my favorite. Um, Volleyball was a close second, but the options for the volleyball schools were, they weren't schools that I wanted to go to. Okay. Track, I enjoyed um, track meets, and I enjoyed winning my races, (laughs) but I did not. I did not enjoy track practice. <laughs> my mom would always say how much that was her favorite sport to watch me do. Uh, she would love the track meet. Yeah. Um, and I had fun, but I didn't, I, I wasn't as excited or as passionate about track as I was about basketball. And I kind of listened to my gut on that one because, and you know, when you do a sport in college, that's mm. your job. Oh, that's yeah. what you do year round yep. in your thinking about it or you're, you're training for it. You're, you know, so I, I knew I loved basketball and I could sustain that in college. Now, the, the interesting thing is that the very first sport I played was soccer. Oh, and I, I was know that. really good at soccer. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I was, the, I was the only girl on the team and I was just fast. And so yeah. I would kick the ball down the field ahead of everybody and run and get <laughs> it. Run <laughs> I had my little strategy, but I loved <laughs> soccer. But then when we moved to Texas, um, when I was going into the fourth grade, we moved to an area that didn't have soccer. So uh. then I was kind of limited. And I often wonder if I still had the opportunity to play soccer. I mean, I, I think that would have been a really good sport for me too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, played tall people sports. Tall people you know, sports, I'm, yeah. I'm five, I'm 5'4", and I played tall people sports. So soccer was a better sport for my body, but, you know, I made it work. Yeah, no, that's interesting. You're right, because basketball and volleyball, like, those are all, like, taller yeah. people sports typically. Mm-hmm. And in college, they listed me as 5'8". They say, 5'8", guard from St. Louis, Missouri, and I go running out there, yay! And they look at me like, it's not 5'8", inches. But anyway, that's I had big energy. Yeah, so there you go. There you go. You know, okay, so was that a hard decision, being like, okay, I'm going to give up, you know, these other sports, like, and, and focus? Did mm-hmm. you feel, was that, like, a loss at that time, or did you, like, just make time for it in other ways? Like, Yeah, I mean, it was a little tough. It was a little tough, and, and oddly enough, I guess it wasn't odd, that the track coach at UMKC, the whole time I was there, was trying to get yeah, me to come and run track, sure. and, I, and I knew for sure I didn't want to do that. Because if I thought I didn't like track practice in high school, when I saw what they were doing in college, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, volleyball, true. you know, there were several of us on the basketball team who also played volleyball. So we, oh. we could get in a game here and there and play and, oh, that's um, fun. you know, have fun with that. So, yeah, so it's more I made space for it in other ways. I didn't feel a loss, you know, in picking basketball. Okay. Okay, so then, like, okay, so that was you getting lost in sports, you being lost, like, mm-hmm. exploring outside. Like, how mm-hmm. do you think, what do you think you learned from that? Like, what are the things that kind of, did that kind of guide your journey in life? Like, i am just kind of been exploring play and how it affects, you know, the path mm-hmm. we go on in our life. Like, what do you think you learned from those moments that kind of helped you move into your, your career or your relationships and that type of thing? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. When I think about that type of play, it, I mean, it naturally led me to have an affinity for team sports. Yeah. Um, and, and to really enjoy the camaraderie and collaboration and growth that can happen mm. in, in a team environment. Yeah. 
And I found myself definitely gravitating to those types of experiences as an adult. Interesting. Um, I like I like being in uh, you know work projects and work groups. I, I a lot of my work, as you know, is is individualized. You yeah. know, it's me and another person. But I also have an opportunity through my consulting work to work in a few work groups, and I really enjoy a good work group, um, and I emphasize a good work group, mm-hmm. not the kind of work group where I'm doing all the work and other people are <laughs> just right. there. But that's the, that's the teamwork, right? I, yeah. really, I really value team. Like, I bring my gifts and my talents, and you bring yours, yeah. and if we can pool our resources, we can do something amazing. Like, those moments of connection with another person where you're you're at your best and they're at their best those are it's it's amazing I love that energy um and I I mentioned earlier that so I took a break from sports uh while I was in graduate school and I I realized once I started playing again how much I missed being on a team and it just and how much it just excites me and um, I look forward to those, those, I would look forward to the time in the week where I would have a game. So I started playing volleyball again. Okay. I dabble with softball a little bit, but I didn't really grow up doing softball. So yeah. I was just, you know, I can hit and I can run, but catching, I was a little suspect. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I kind of narrowed it down. I really did volleyball for a while and I did flag football for a long time. Yeah. And, those, and that, and, and it was so much fun and being on a team again was amazing. Oh, I forgot. I started playing basketball. I didn't do that too long. Okay. Like football was the one that took over. I um, it, that. it was new. It was different. And I loved it. Um, yeah. and I loved the team. And so when I had to stop playing a few years ago, that's what I miss. I miss that team energy. Oh, and that's, is that what you start, you get with your consultant work, you said. So when you're doing your consultant, mm-hmm. you get that team energy. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. That's really interesting to hear you explain it like that, mm-hmm. you know, because actually mm-hmm. I played some team sports, but when I was mm-hmm. really little, but I, uh, mm-hmm. most of my sports have been, you know, track is a team sport, but there's that individual factor to it. So it's just, that's really interesting mm-hmm. to hear that, how that affected you yeah. and how you carry that into your adult life huh Mm -hmm. how did you decide to get into psychology like well how did that happen (laughs) well it it started as as many things do it began with an interest and a curiosity when I was in high school I was able to take AP psychology and I loved it um it just found it very interesting um when I went to college <clears throat> excuse me, when I went to college, my major was biology. My minor was psychology. Oh. Again, me, me being a practical kid, uh, just thinking that I could do more with a degree in biology um, if I took a break. I knew I was going to go to graduate school. Okay. So it's, there are these things that you just know, and I think that's a family a family thing as well. You know, I remember <laughs> my, you know, 16-year-old self being offended and I, and I actually think about it differently now, but I was offended when my guidance counselor asked me, you know, if I was going to college. Uh. Um, I think as an adult, when I look back on a moment like that, it, I do, I get, I have a different type of frustration because it's mm. like you're, you know, children rise to the level of expectations. Yep. And this person, this adult, who's my guidance counselor, isn't certain, you know, she's not, she's not approaching this from, okay, Aaron, let's sit down and figure out where you're going to go. It was, are you going to college? And that, you know, that, that mindset I feel like was very limiting. Um, you know, luckily I had the parents that I had where I knew from a child that, you know, oh no, you're going to college. (laughs) So I knew I was going to college and I knew I was going to graduate school. So college. So I I decided to major in biology. I, I liked biology. I really did. But I quickly, I quickly learned that I loved my psychology classes yeah. and I just liked my biology classes. You know, biology was interesting, but psychology, I felt like I could do that. I felt like I could, I was, I was interested and excited enough about those classes that I could continue to pursue education mm. in, in that space. I just didn't know, I just didn't know what I would do Got it. because again, I was, you know, I, I was a good student, had a really good grade. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, right? So yeah. when I was younger, because I loved Claire Huxtable, I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then as I got older, I wanted to be a pediatrician. You know, that's one of those, you know, yeah. I want to be a doctor, I want to be a pediatrician. Yeah. So um, that's what I thought I wanted to do. But again, it was a moment where I followed my gut because then my family thought I was going to go to medical school too. Oh, wow. And 
And I realized that I didn't, you know, when I was in college, I didn't enjoy, I didn't love, I didn't have passion for my hard science classes, my biology classes. Yeah. And I knew to go to and through medical school, you, you have to love that stuff. Yeah. And I just didn't. Um, yeah, it was okay. I finished the degree. I did. I worked, I worked in a lab for two years while I was in school. Huh. So I made the most of the experience, but I, my, my heart was in my psychology classes. And so that's kind of how I started to know I wanted to go in that direction. And then I had to figure out what the options were. And so it was a combination of, and this is, this is an interesting kind of, I don't know how God works sort of thing. Yeah. My, I had a, I had a professor, my abnormal psych professor who loved what he did and I could just feel his passion. Yeah. And, you know, I asked him if I could, you know, come visit him at work and see more of what he did. Oh, and so cool. I did, that started to help me shape, you know, what a psychologist can do. And then at the same time, I had a family member switch uh, careers oh. um, and go into psychology. And so he was starting graduate school in psychology at the same time I was trying to explore what was possible oh, in that wow. space and so he was really good um in helping me figure out my best next steps and my family it took them a while to get on board and uh, my, my yeah. poor dad again practical you know practical yeah. hard working you know that that you know he's I, I I trust your judgment I want you to be okay but are you gonna be are you gonna be okay financially are you gonna be you know yeah. they can picture what they can picture position. Because yep. in my family, you know, at that point in time, most people had either business degrees or education degrees. Got it. And so in my, like, my immediate nuclear family. And then, like, my generation, we kind of started. I just, we, they didn't have a, a template for psychologists. Yeah. And what, and yep. what do you do? Yeah, we start to, like, what we see yeah. and, like, what, or what's yeah. around us is what kind of it, yeah, it's like everyone I went to school with, yeah. like there's a variety of c careers I think most of us have, you know, and it's, mm -hmm, I think it's because mm -hmm. what was, you know, like what we saw the people around us doing and it's mm -hmm. just, it really, it does impact you. Those role models that you mentioned earlier yep. when you're talking about your family, mm -hmm. what, what an influence that can have. That's really interesting. Okay. But yeah. they came around. They came around. <laughs> They came around. Yeah. They came around. Well, they, they, they came around when I moved to Chicago for grad school. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, okay, I guess she's doing this. Yeah. Now my grandfather, I think my grandfather asked me like one more good time while I was in the middle of grad school. Are you sure you don't want to go to medical Aww. school? <laughs> <laughs> but one of my, my beautiful younger cousins uh, graduated from medical school this year. So grandpa has <laughs> one of his grandchildren who's an MD now. So there you he, go. He, you know, he, he's proud of all of us, but he got his MD. That's yeah, awesome. So. <laughs> now, you have mentioned a couple times, like, just following your instincts. And, like, you know, mm -hmm. as a young person, like, graduating high school or, you know, in college, that's not always an easy thing to do. Like, yeah. like yeah. how do you, how did you start tuning into that? Like, because a lot of us are like, yeah, you know, doing what we think we should be doing, what, you know, kind of our family path has set up for us or um, doing what other people around us are doing, like. How, what helped you start to tune into your instincts? And even when you're describing your abnormal psych, you could just feel, you said you mm -hmm. could feel like this passion mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of mm -hmm. tapping into that aspect of your personality. Was that something that kind of came naturally or is that something you kind of started to, to tune into as you grew older? And, and what helped you to do that? Would you be able to describe that, you think? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh. I, I, don't, I, I don't know when I started to do it. I just know that I've I've trusted my gut for a long time, mm. and when I think about, um, I think being able to be quiet and be still, yeah. which we haven't really gotten into. Like yeah. a per, I, I'm I'm naturally more of an introverted person. Um, I've always been a very observant kind of hang back and see what's going on, and then make mm. you know collect information and then make a decision. Mm -hmm. um, I've had. I have the kind of family where we process with each other. We talk mm. and we think about things and, you know, I had conversations with my parents and conversations with my siblings. And so there's mm. internal processing and then also having really good sounding boards around like the closest relationships that I have, the most intimate relationships um, in my family and my friendships are the kind of friendship or the kind of relationships where 
you can kind of talk through mm. and make sense. And people create space for you to not know and for you to process with them and think through and kind of make a decision on your own as opposed to um, people being overly opinionated and trying yes. to tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just being in, in being surrounded by people like that my whole life, it naturally allow me to tap into what I want and what I need mm-hmm. and make my decisions from there. But also, you know, one of the other lessons that I got from my parents is, you know, be responsible. And so what does being responsible look like in this situation? And they mm. created space for us to be responsible and make a good choice. And what does that mean for yourself? And so I think I think those now I wouldn't have been able to articulate this at 17. Right, right. Um, that this is what it was. But this is and this is actually something I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, because it's something that, you know. Um, it's a big part of what I help people do as a psychologist mm-hmm. is to tune into themselves and, and to think about their value system and think about who they are and who they want to be and yeah. what they need and make decisions. Um, I talk about authentic decision making. Yeah, and I think I in, able, in order to be able to make authentic decisions, you have to really know yourself. You have to be able to be quiet and be still <sighs> and respect and honor who you are. Mm. Um, you know, and, and because, because people will, you know, people are going to have their opinions about the decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if you, if you've made that decision from a solid place and you are honoring who you are, you're honoring your journey, then their reaction, their questions, their, you know, they're, in, you know, being incredulous about your decision. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter as much because yeah. you know, you did the right thing for you. Right. Um, so I think I do various versions of that for myself. Um, and if I don't know, I don't know. And again, those same, those same relationships that feel really supportive, I can say to them, you know, I don't know. Like I'm not sure here. (laughs) And, and they talk you through it. Yeah. So that's a, that's a blessing because I can, I can name, you know, you know, five or six people in my family, um, you know, and, and my best friends, I have longstanding friendships, um, you know, where I can call these people and just think through something. Mm-hmm. And um, we do that for each other. So mm-hmm. that, you know, that helps. I hope I answered your question. No, you did. Alone. That that was so okay. great, though. That was really great because okay. I, I honestly think that, um, I, I, A, I love that your family you provide, was kind of provided that space for you to just mm-hmm. – reflect and and not not necessarily have the answers for you but like let you mm-hmm. kind of figure things out and that you've created those spaces mm-hmm. within your friendships and that not mm-hmm. knowing piece like I think we're so uncomfortable when we don't know the answers or the next mm-hmm. steps and it's hard to stay in that like discomfort yes. you know and we want to move through yes. it so quickly and um and I mean I'm me me too like I'm not saying I am immune to this for sure because it's mm. it's, it's an uncomfortable place but I think if we can allow ourselves to be in that not knowing and have people we can turn to to not fill not fill us with just information and here's what you need to do here's what you need to do you know like right because right. we so often get that yeah. and it's like okay so how do I tune yeah. into what I need to do you know like that yeah. personally like and what I want what not, not even need but what I want and feels good for me and feels right like. Mm-hmm. It's easier said than done. And so it's really beautiful to hear you have those spaces in your life that yeah. allow you to do that. I love that so much. Well, and it, and it requires a level of vulnerability yeah. right? to be, to be able to say, I don't know, yeah. or I'm confused or I'm afraid or I'm uncertain. <sighs> mm-hmm. um, and to be able to trust your relationships enough to say, to be vulnerable in that way. And to and to feel that love and support, you know, from the people around you, I, I have to have that in my intimate relationships. Mm. You know, you have different types of relationships, but the yeah. people that I'm closest to, my family, my best friends, my partner, I have to be able to not be okay sometimes because mm-hmm. you know people see me from the outside and they experience me in a particular way, which is is fine. I mean, and that's part of me, but I'm also yeah. I have also you know my vulnerabilities too, and I need to be in relationship with people who allow me to be vulnerable. Yeah. So that I can go to them for help or that I can have the conversation that I need to have so I can figure out what I need to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And because when I was listening to you talk about those relationships, I'm like, oh, the amount of mm-hmm. trust that's involved in that, you know, they're just yep. and I consider I'm like more of an introverted person as well who like kind of sizes mm-hmm. up situations and 
you know, hasn't always shared much with people until I really know them and trust them. And mm-hmm. I, like, yeah, how does for you, like, how does family may be a different thing, but like, how do you develop that trust? Like, what does that process look like? I mean, is that possible to explain? With friends? Yeah. With, yeah. yeah, no, it's, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And when I meet new people, I can tell what's possible in the relationship if they are the kind of person that can allow a relationship to unfold naturally, as opposed to needing to force it and needing things to go quickly and needing things to be immediately very intimate or immediately very close. <sighs> yeah. Um, I, I need I need someone who is confident and secure enough within themselves that I can I can find my way into the relationship and take my time mm-hmm. and they're not offended by it or uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, and so people who can't tolerate that that ramping up huh. because they're, what the ramp up looks like to me is is increasing levels of intimacy, increasing levels of contact, increasing levels of trust, um, increasing levels of sharing. Like it's a it's a process. Yeah. For me. Um, and so if someone can't tolerate that mm-hmm. because they feel like, oh, you must not like me or, oh, you know, you think you're better than me or what, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. reaction somebody has to me not immediately calling you my best friend. Yeah. Um, like I can't. <laughs> and it's funny because at our age, I mean, those things still happen. Yeah, right? they do. Right. Um, yeah. So I can't like I've, I've learned again, to honor me, like, I can't, I can't try to be in this relationship in a way that feels unnatural for me, because that's what you need to feel comfortable. Yeah. It, it, you know, so that if there's a collision around that dynamic, then that is probably somebody I'm not going to be able to be friends with, Mm -hmm. because that's also the same kind of person that is uncomfortable with an introvert, or -hmm. also the same kind of person that would be uncomfortable with me just being quiet, right? Mm -hmm. And not, you know, like, and not taking that the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that I'm able to develop those meaningful, like long-term relationships, they see those, and we may be the same. We may be, you know, introverted in the same ways or not, yeah. or they may be more extroverted than I am, but if they respect the ways that we're different yeah. without pathologizing it, then that, you know, those are my people Yeah. because then I can, because then I can just be me and not have to worry about like, Oh, you know, I, I'm not talking enough in this conversation and so they're going to think I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't like that. I, I would get all twisted up trying to figure that out when I was younger yep. and I got to an age where I was just like, you know, you know, everybody is not for everybody yes. <laughs> and that's fine. Oh. Um, yeah. And I don't have to be different and they don't have to be different. We're just not, you know, there just may be limitations to what this relationship can yes. be. That's, that's with friends. You know, that's dating. Yes. That, you know, and that was my mindset about dating, too. And that, that's why um, my my current partner and I think that's why we we do so well, because, I mean, we have similar personalities in some ways. Mm-hmm. But that that mutual respect around like I fundamentally love and respect who you are. Yes. And I'm not trying to change who you yes. are. Yes. And I fundamentally re- love you. You're pretty parts and you're not so pretty parts. Yes. <laughs> And and that just gets to be what it is, and I don't need that to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can, you know, that that gets us through a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I totally I can connect with that because I feel like with my current relationship, that I feel like I finally got mm-hmm. to that point, you know. And yeah. in other and other things, it's like, yeah, just not being able to, and a lot of times not being able to accept something in someone else was me maybe not being able to accept that type mm-hmm. of thing, how I reflected it in my own self, you know? So mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I find that really interesting because it just allows you to be yourself truly authentically and, yes. and that's when you can have the fullest relationships in so many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. My, my relationships are so important because this life, this world that we live in, yeah. there's enough <laughs> yeah. there's enough stuff out there that you have to navigate and deal with. Like to me and my personal relationships, I need them to be, you know, my solace, my support, my comfort, my place that I retreat to at the end of a long week. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like last night, you know, I was telling my partner this morning, last night I was on the phone with my two best friends um, for an hour and 40 minutes and we used to do that all the time when we were in high school, when you yeah. didn't have, you know, you, you basically you were a student and a student. We all played sports together. You, just didn't, you didn't have the time. You didn't have responsibilities the same yeah. way that we do now. So we would just hang on the phone. Aww. And now, you know, you know, people being, you know, you know, 
full lives and jobs and kids and husbands. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't have time to do that. But last night, that was a gift to be able to do that. And I just loved it. All three of us just, you know, we're so happy that we were able to do that. And we just, I mean, we talked about fun things and serious things and random things. And there were times where we were just kind of quiet because somebody was doing something with their kid or somebody, you know, but but just, just, yeah, just, just to be able to have a moment like that and to have those friendships that, that is, that's what, that's the stuff that matters in life. And, you know, those, those moments just really fortify you so you can, you know, get back up and, and, do it again the next day, yeah. you know, do this life, do these, these things that we're responsible for. To me, like your personal, my, my personal relationships have to be that way. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I admire about you is that you have, you're, you're very driven in your work and, you know, you mm-hmm. volunteer and you're involved in a bunch of different organizations, but you, you still, you know, make time for a social life and your friendships. And I can see, mm-hmm. cause you know, we have mutual friends with, you know, and I've, I've mm-hmm. seen the depth of those relationships and it's like, you're, you're, you're balancing, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. it, you're making it a priority, it seems, because obviously it fills you Absolutely. up and it allows you to, to give what you can give to this life. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah. And that's another one of my values is to be a good friend and, mm. and to just try to always you know I'm not perfect at it but it's a goal of mine to be a a, be a good friend you know so if I have a meaningful personal relationship with someone um I'm always thinking about what it means to be a good friend what do they need what do they want um how can I help how can I support how do I show up you know this the friend group that we have in common what I love about that friend group is we show up for each other we Mm -hmm. show up for serious things we show up and we have fun together <laughs> yes, but you know and it's, but group. but that that yeah but that presence is 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 invaluable and yeah. it's meaningful and that's to me how you show somebody that they matter you show up you know yeah. in whatever form that takes yeah so how do you make time i mean this might sound silly but how do you make time for that is that something like you're like mm-hmm. i know i've got work but yeah yep. how do you make how do you make it a reality i guess yeah, um, it's not always easy. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't just happen. Uh, so I, I think two two things come to mind. One of which I share with my clients all the time, and that your your calendar or how you reflect your value system. Mm. It should reflect what what mm. is important to you. So if you look at my calendar for the week, you will see work stuff obviously but you'll also see oh I'm going to the gym or have a doctor's appointment or I'm going to meet you know I'm going to meet a friend for dinner you know I have our podcast in my in my um calendar and so uh church you know church is in the calendar so it's 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 so if you if I look at my week Mm. it not that not only helps me to manage my time effectively it also keeps me honest about okay Erin you value these things is that reflected in how you spent your time this week? Is that reflected in how you're spending your time next week? Yeah. Now there's sometimes where, you know, something or another will take over, but if that, if my general intention and my general goal is to um, create space for these things, Mm -hmm. then, you know, if I have a week where it's heavy, heavy, heavy in the direction of work, then I make sure that I create space for those other things that are not work related. Um, and I'm intentional about carving out time for uh, for John and I to get together and do things where it's just he and I, yep. and it's not other people, it's not work or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing is, um, the other thing that allows me to, to, to do that for my friends is just, it's, it's that time, it's that time management piece of, um, and communicating and, and, and mapping it out. And, and people say, oh, you know, you should be able to just, spontaneously <laughs> it could just flow like well when we work 40 50 60 hours a week and we have significant others and kids and yeah. family and it doesn't just happen and no. so again the people that 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 I'm close with they understand that yeah. and so we're like hey let's get together for dinner next week and we pull out our calendars and yes. so it's, it's being intentional it's being intentional about circling back and finding the time and and show and being flexible and creative about what it means to show up right and so if somebody's having an event and it conflicts with something else that I need to do maybe I can't be there the whole time but I'll be there for a bit you know I'll Mm -hmm. come at the very beginning or I'll come at the end or 
you know, if it's a birthday and I miss the birthday outing, I'm going to make sure I take that person out yep. for dinner or drinks or what, you know, so yeah. it's, it's just being flexible and creative about what it means to show up to. Yeah. And I love that you like both pull out your calendars. It's like, it has to be mm-hmm. that give and take for both people because yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't happen. That, it's, it, if it's it just on one happen. person to be reaching out or scheduling, it's, it makes it right. really challenging. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love, I love the calendar reflecting your values. Like, Mm-hmm. I, you know, I look at my calendar, but I don't always think of it in that framework. So I'm totally going to mm-hmm. be using that because it's just a great way to see mm-hmm. the glimpse. Is this reflecting mm-hmm. the values that I hold dear? And you've mentioned family, health and wellness. Um, oh, other things as well. Like what would be like some of the main values that you feel for yourself that you want to see reflected in that calendar each week as much as possible? <laughs> yeah. Um so people say, you know, you know, finding work-life balance. And some people have the attitude of it's not possible. Yeah. I don't think of it that way. I think it's a goal to try to balance things out. You know, it's a goal for me yeah. to make sure I'm not just working all the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, some weeks, some weeks are better than others. And I, I do work a lot. I love what I do, so it's not like it exhausts me in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Um. But but I I I want to like so yes, work and volunteering and social time and exercise, just to make sure that I'm doing all of those things. Um. You know, so for me, it's more like pulling out at about a month. Like how how has this month been? How yeah. will this month be? Right. What what adjustments do I need to make to make sure I can do these things? And it also goes back to, you know, what you say yes to. So mm-hmm. I I don't have a problem saying no to mm. things that would be too much, you know, the one thing too many. Um, and so but ha- part of how I make a decision about what's possible for me is looking at looking at how I'm spending my time and what, what I did last week and the impact that that may still be having and what I have to do next week and what I need to prepare for. And so um, that, you know, that the value, I guess the value is around balance. The value is around intentionality. The value is around managing my time and not having my time manage me. Yeah. Ooh, Um, because yes, (laughs) because that's how you get overwhelmed and stressed out and burned out. Right. People can look at me like, Oh, E you're so busy. It's like, I got it. I'm good. Like I, I, and when I need to go sit down, I will go sit down. And you guilting me <laughs> about going and sitting down is not going to work. That goes back to that gut. Like, I know what I need yeah. right now. I need to go home and be quiet because as an introvert, that's how I recharge. Yes, absolutely. Is in quiet and stillness and solitude. Um, and so that was so last night was a night like that for me. Um, mm. I, 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 need to, I need to do that so then I can, you know be ready and be present and be on for the next thing I have to do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. So I know you have a private practice where you're working and it's yes. so beautiful because you, you're practicing these things too. You are not just preaching that, you know, walking, yes. you're walking the talk <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. And yes. what is the most rewarding part of your career and what's the most challenging? Hmm. The most rewarding there are those moments. So you can have these small moments throughout your work with another person. Mm-hmm. And then you can have these big moments and that culminate in them deciding that they don't need therapy anymore. Yeah. But the moment is, is that, is that moment of like, oh, okay, I understand this thing about myself. And now I know what I need to do differently. Uh, and that moment of witnessing someone have that level of insight, but then also be empowered by the insight by, oh, okay, now I know what to do. Yeah. Now I know how to handle this. And now, and what naturally comes from that is I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Because, you know, so, so therapy is, is designed to assist people in, in, in understanding themselves and understanding their circumstances and cultivating a set of tools um, to navigate things that come their way. Yeah. And when you have those moments in therapy where you see somebody getting it, there's a click. Yeah. There's a moment of insight. There's a, Oh, that makes sense. And I know I can apply it. Or someone comes back in and they say, Hey, Mm. you know, we had this conversation last week and it made me think about this thing. And I knew, you know, we talked about me trying this way of addressing the issue and I tried it and it worked. And so like, that's another Uh, toolkit. Yeah. That's another moment of, and so those those are the things that that slowly fortify people mm. and slowly give them the tools 
to be able to be okay. Because yeah. as a therapist, you're preparing people for their life without you. Yes. You don't want people to become overly dependent on you. You want to give them what they need to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you have those moments in therapy where you see that they're getting it and yeah. you see that they're starting to feel like they're going to be okay and they're starting to gain a sense of mastery over whatever the situation is, those moments are so exciting. And they can be small. Yeah. Um, or they can be huge, like, oh, my gosh, I got it. I think I'm going to be okay. I don't think I need to come every week anymore. I think <laughs> right. I need to start spacing this out. Or I think I'm good. I think, I, I think I'm ready to go on my own. Like that, those moments, oh, just, they just feel the best. Yeah. Um, and then challenges, hmm. I think when people feel the hard, hard clients, really difficult clients, are clients that are stuck. Hmm. And they're not ready to do the work and they want you to do the work for them. Yes, I can see that. Mm-hmm. And I say that last part, you know, that they want you to do the work for them because they, they still have not accepted what therapy is and what it isn't. Yeah. And so if so, sometimes people get stuck and they're not ready to do the work and they know it and I know it and we, and we wait until they're ready, you know, yeah. wait as in like we, we manage our expectations until they're ready. You know, Got that it. in and of itself isn't, isn't difficult because, you know, depending on how someone's presenting, like if somebody's really depressed, mm-hmm. they're really anxious people, sometimes being stuck is part of the process and that's okay. But yeah. the hard, what is hard as a therapist is I'm stuck and I need you to get me unstuck and I'm not ready to do anything. I need you to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Because you can't, you can't do, I can't do the work no, for them. You right, know, I can right. come alongside and support their work. I can, uh, explain what the work looks like. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, impart knowledge and information and research and exercises and activities yeah. and, you know, but if they're not ready to do it, you know, change isn't going to happen. And they think, and they, yeah. And they think that I should do it then. And you know, yeah, that, those are hard. Yeah. And luckily I've only had that happen a handful of times. Luckily, uh, because I am in private practice in an outpatient setting and people are voluntarily yeah. coming to me, they're choosing. you don't yeah. have that very often. Yes. Now, when I worked in a hospital yeah. <laughs> and when I worked in the substance abuse treatment center, like you would have all different sorts of, of resistance and those kind of challenges were more of a regular occurrence, but I don't, I don't have to deal with that too much now. That's really interesting. Yeah. That, yeah. It's not what people would think. It's not the, huh. isn't it hard to talk to somebody who's depressed? Right. Like, nope. Isn't it hard to talk to somebody who's crying or somebody's really angry? Like, no, that stuff is, that's part of the, that's part of the work. It doesn't bother me. I think I have, um, I think I have a particular set of tools that I've cultivated and my Mm. natural personality Mm -hmm. is that, you know, intense emotion doesn't bother me Mm -hmm. and I can be very present and with someone as they experience intense emotion. So that part's not hard. And my dad, you know, always asks, you know, how how are you doing? How do you take care of yourself? I don't know how you don't, you know, take those problems home with you. And um, and it's funny, my, my, my dad and I have, you know, we have our certain points that we touch on a lot when we talk, and he asks me that all the time, and I tell him all the time. You know, it's something <laughs> that you learn in your in your training. You know, to have those emotional boundaries and self care mm-hmm. is important, and perspective taking, and um, you know, healthy compartmentalizing your work in a healthy way. Like when I leave work, I'm not thinking about work. I need yeah. to not be thinking about work. I need to be present in my and whatever it is that I'm doing. Yes. So there, there are all these tricks that you learn along the way. Hmm. that keep you from being bogged down with what could be heavy. Yeah. Um, and so then it doesn't, like, that doesn't bother me. That's and, not a challenge to you. Um, <sighs> it's not, yeah, no. That's interesting because that's what I was going to ask you. One of my questions was, you know, especially with what you do, like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you take, like, what's self-care look like for you? And it, I mean, it sounds like it's making mm-hmm. sure you spend some time with yourself and your friends, but mm-hmm. are you somewhat, like, what else does that look, is there any other things that self-care looks like to you? Yeah. Um, so self-care, and lately I've been using um, language around restorative practices, too, because mm. I think, so So sleep is self-care, but uh, yoga or, or meditation for mm. me is restorative. Got it. Um, exercise is self-care and restorative mm-hmm. because it just it energizes me and it makes me feel good when I exercise. And so I try to, I try to think about those things things a little differently because sometimes sometimes self-care can be a little more passive and where restorative uh, for me 
needs to be a little bit more intentional. Right. Um, but that's not the same for everybody. But for me, it helps to think about those things differently. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So, yeah, so sleeping, having a healthy diet, making sure I give myself downtime. Um, and I, I think about how I'm going to spend my weekends. I, I can have a pretty packed weekend at times, but thinking about what my week is going to be like the next week and, and thinking about how I need to prepare myself for what's in store um, in terms of either getting a little bit of work done or sleeping, getting enough sleep, getting enough quiet time. Mm. If I have a week where I have a lot of presentations because I am mm. introverted, yeah. um, presentations, you know, a week with a presentation or a week with multiple presentations, those are particularly stressful weeks for me. And so yeah. I have to do things on the front end and the back end of a week like that to make sure that I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, uh, quality time, quality time with people who matter to me, quality time with those people that I'm close to. That's a form of self care for me because it just makes me feel so much better. Um, yeah, I I think those are things off the top of my head. No, those are great. Play. I guess play, play Ah. is a part of my self care too. Like my, my adult, my adult play and being really intentional about what play means for me. Yeah. Like last night, I, yeah, I've i gotten into the adult coloring books and I have my my pencils and my markers and all that. And it just, Fun. it relaxes me. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that you said that because I do think that's something as adults we don't take enough time for is play and, right. you know, just right. kind of getting lost in something and not having, like, I think we're all very scheduled, you know what I mean? So having something mm-hmm. you can just get lost yeah. and absorbed in and, that's really fun. So yeah, the adult coloring books were a hit, weren't they? They really <laughs> Yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, very cool. And I have several. Do you really? Oh, I love it. I do. I do. I even found a portable one. This is I was sitting in an airport. I was like, I really would like to color right now. Aww. And they don't have like the ones that I had were these big, huge, which I really like, but they're not they're not I wouldn't take something like that on a trip with me. And so uh, that began my search for a nice portable adult coloring book, <laughs> and I have it, and I love it. That's awesome. I bought three. <laughs> That's awesome. Were you ever a journaler? Were you someone who got into journaling? Oh, Mo, that is such a great question. You asked the best question. Oh, um, <laughs> I When I was younger, I journaled all the time. Okay. My mom, when I was probably... I was in grade school. She gave me my first diary. So it was the dear diary, you know, oh, and I, yeah. I would, I, I wrote, I wrote all of the time. And so that was, that was where I started to learn like the value of, of that processing and getting your feelings out and putting it out on paper or making sense of something through writing. Yeah. I did that for a long time. I've done it throughout my life. Um, I have one, I've, I've been doing it lately. Um, just kind of thinking through things that are going on for me right yeah. now and just needing a space to process. Yeah. So yes, I have, I've been a journaler throughout my life. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I just find it interesting because I think some of us get into it and some of, you know, I used to do it a lot and then like, yeah, I find different ways of, of processing at different points in life, you know? So it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear other people's journey with it, especially when people are, are mm-hmm. kind of like introverted or, you know, reflective. It's like, how do you make space for that reflection? You know, so mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah, you are. I mean, you're involved in other things. You got your private practice, but you also have these volunteer things that you're you're a part of, and these different organizations. Um, what are some other things that you're that you wouldn't mind sharing that you're involved and active in at the moment? I am a mentor with a program called Link Unlimited. And it's a program that was created, I think, about 50, maybe 60 years ago. I have to get the date of that. Um, And it was a program that was created to assist African-American youth in Chicago with entrance into um, the top tier private schools in Chicago. And it's also ultimately a college readiness program. Um, I got started in this program right after the election. Ah. And I was feeling a sense of kind of hopelessness and frustration. Mm-hmm. And I think that he- that thing that was sitting on me pretty heavily was the, the, the way to me 
the way that the United States is going is that there's a deeper divide between the haves and the have-nots. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm doing okay. I feel like I'm going to be okay. My family's mm-hmm. okay. You know, we're we're good. Like, we're solidly middle-class, upper-middle-class family. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, my fa- the, the, the resources exist for my family to be okay. Mm-hmm. If you have families who don't have access to resources, the social safety nets that we've had in our country – since the Great Depression yeah. are are evaporating, right? Yeah. And so I was, so that was the, that was a thing that stood out for me, and I mm. felt like the administration that was coming into office did not give a crap about hmm. poor people or mm-hmm. lower middle class people or people who are trying to ha- hold on for dear life, yeah. you know, in the middle class, and yeah. that they were going to put systems in place that would further that divide. So yeah. that was, you know, I, that that was the thing that 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 was resonating for me the most deeply and I think being in the city like Chicago where you can see these stark contrasts mm-hmm. between the haves and the have not yep. on the same block in you know in the same neighborhood yeah you know yeah you know so I thought okay so how do I give back how do I give back specifically to the African-American community how do I give back specifically to a young African-American person mm-hmm. and do my part you know do do my part to impact the life of someone um, and, and give them the resources they, they wouldn't necessarily have. And so I joined this program. And That's so awesome. my, my financial contribution supports their tuition. But I think the biggest thing that I'm able to give to my scholar, Taylor is her name, is, is, is mentorship and a relationship and um, social capital mm, and access to resources yes. that she wouldn't have otherwise. And so that is really important to me. And that volunteer effort aligned with many of my values and I want yeah. to give I want to support giving her something that that she wouldn't necessarily have now yeah. she's a she's a brilliant student you know her mom she's lucky you know her mom is very engaged and very active but again you know her mom has um these are four girls you know yeah. and all the girls are really good students but yeah. you know with the way our economy is these things like that kids are expensive and you have a single parent trying to raise four kids this yeah. mom is trying to do the best she can and so I'm like hey I can come alongside and mom, we're going to do this together. We're going to figure out, you know, how I can support. And so it's been a really beautiful experience and, and, and I'm, I'm happy that I found this organization and that I was paired with Taylor and her, you know, Taylor's great. Her mom's great. You know, she, it's, it's been a really, it's been an amazing experience. Um, so that's one thing I do. Yeah. And then the other thing, I know it's more. Let's see, the other, <laughs> the other thing that has taken up a lot of space in my life in the last year is my involvement in impact and mm. impact is a leadership development program that was created, uh, by a collaboration between the urban league, the Chicago urban league okay. and, uh, university of Chicago, uh, booth executive uh, MBA program. Okay. And it was an amazing experience that um, I had a mentorship in this experience. In this experience, I had uh, I was able to expand my my professional network, and also allowed me to be in spaces that helped me figure out a better way to be engaged in this in the happenings in the city of Chicago. Mm. This is also something that I joined. Um, the timing of this was around, you know, that year, that year after the, yeah. the, the first year after the election where everybody's reeling. And so for me, right. it was, okay, how do I get more involved on, in local politics? You know, I'm very mm. aware of what's going on nationally and even internationally, but I wasn't the best at staying abreast of local politics yeah. and understanding, you know, who the movers and shakers are and understanding how I can impact things at a local level. And so this program in addition to the leadership development piece, there was also lots of um, education around um, our current social political climate. It's just different issues that are unique to Chicago yeah. in preparation for, you know, the goal is to, to prepare this next generation of African, it's, a, it's, a, it's an African-American program okay, yeah. to prepare the next generation of African-American leadership with an eye towards continued civic engagement and political oh. involvement. And so That's it's awesome. not just about, you know, how do we make these amazing leaders so they can get fantastic jobs, but yeah. how do we make civically engaged, politically minded, you know, politically responsible leaders. And so there was lots of um, oh, historic information and current events and just lots of exposure and access to 
um, you know, politicians and access to politicians in the, in the sense that they were they were helping us understand the history of politics uh. in Chicago and helping us figure out, you know, as leaders. Um, and we actually have some people who have gone into politics really? kind of figuring out what. Yeah. So figuring out what our what our city needs, what our people need and yeah. kind of how to be an effective leader, how to be an effective po- political leader. Um so it, there's there's so much. That's I mean, I could talk about the program for hours. Yeah. But yeah, that was the thing that I did in this past year that took up a lot of space. And I'm um, the so our our specific program has ended, but then we have an alumni association, and so I'm active in the alumni association, awesome. and we're just trying to figure out how to carry the momentum of the program mm. forward through the alumni association. Yeah, I, this is it's amazing to hear the two things because they're. I feel like you're going to see tangible results from, you know, you're not just talking about things. You're, you're out there and engaged and like creating community in order to provide mm-hmm. better options for everyone. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. cool to hear about. Cause you know, one of the things on the podcast I'm trying to do is talk to people who are just growth minded and learning and discovering yep. new things. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's why you came to mind because of the things that mm-hmm. you're in, you engaged in right now. And, and, I don't know, like you, you kind of by even just describing those groups, I have a sense of some of the things that you're learning and discovering, but mm-hmm. what, what are what are the things that you're kind of focused on for yourself personally, like learning and discovering and growing in right now in your life? I mean, does it relate to, right the, to the, does it relate to the activities you just kind of described and, or is there other kind of aspects to that? So I do, I, I would say that the things that I'm involved in, whether it's work or volunteer activities or this leadership development program, they do naturally lend themselves to, you know, me stretching and growing and, and developing more personally or professionally because there's something in those spaces that would be aligned with my values and what mm-hmm. I want for myself. And so then that 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 naturally means that there's growth and stretching and yeah. and and additional exposure and access and opportunity even. And so um, it's funny because the involvement in Link led me to the Impact Program in the oh. Urban League. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there's that connection, but then also in the impact program, more opportunities for public speaking and just getting better at public speaking, um, more opportunities for engaging professionals of different disciplines. You know, uh, there were people who were, um, attorneys and business people and just kind of, and and so just being in these spaces where we all have different, uh, professional, um, mindsets and different ways of approaching problems, different ways of presenting things. It just, that really helps me. I was always, I was always intrigued by how a lawyer might answer the question, how a psychologist may answer a question or how, um, you know, someone who understands educational policy sees the scope of the problem of CPS versus me as a psychologist sees, you know, so we, so having that kind of collaboration and being in those intellectual spaces with people who we all see, a problem, but the way we describe and the way we approach the solution to a problem may be very different. That's, and so that's a that's a place of stretching and growing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and then you know, in my personal life right now, it's been uh, there's a lot, and I've talked to you about you know some of these things. That's definitely a place where I'm being stretched right now. I think it and 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 it's been challenging, but I think there are lots of beautiful things on the other side, mm-hmm. and so like that's a that's a place where um, I'm having to tap into some additional resources and um, really be intentional about managing, you know, some challenges that, that have been coming our way and, um, you know, using those tools that I have and using the tools that I encourage my clients to use and leaning on my, my family supports and resources. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I've been doing well with that, but Mm -hmm. also, recently just really feeling grateful and very thankful for the love and support that I have around me and that if they, if I am having a rough day, I have five or six people I can call yeah. and just talk, you know? Yeah. Um, so like I talked to my best friends yesterday, I was able to, you know, get on the phone with one of my brothers and, you know, we're very close. And yeah. so like those, those moments, they fortify you and you get, you know, then you're like, okay, I'm good. I'm yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm Okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm surrounded by love and support and, you know, we're going to get this figured out. Yeah. um, Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I I appreciate your honesty with that because it's, 
Yeah. You know, no matter who you are, we have our challenges. Mm-hmm. And even if you're helping people take care of their own challenges, like it doesn't mean that you don't have things that come your way. Right? Yeah. It's just life. Life keeps happening. <laughs> For all life of us. Life keeps happening in these unexpected ways. And again, like I said, I believe, I believe that there are beautiful things on the other side. Yeah. We just have to get through, you know, we just have to get through this, this particular stretch. And so yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful and keeping a positive mindset. Uh, but you know, but I'm also, I'm not afraid or ashamed to say like, okay, this sucks right now. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> right. This is hard. This I is need hard. support, you know? And, mm-hmm. and again, because of how those relationships look, we get to do that with each other. And then mm-hmm. people come, you know, people come and they show up. Yeah. And I think that's like the beautiful thing that I'm really taking away from our conversation, Erin, is like, I started off saying like, you just are someone who really comes across to me as someone who like is in tune with who you are. And um, and knows what you're all about. But I think as we've talked, it just you being able to have these honest, vulnerable conversations with people that you trust mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. has really allowed you just to deepen that and allow that to yep. be a solid kind of, um, oh, what's mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for? But you just groundedness in that, you know, because yeah. you have created these relationships and this trust. And um, yeah, so it's been really, it's been really lovely hearing you talk about the things that have been of support to you because we all d- deal with things in different ways, but I think we can mm-hmm. grab pieces of what's worked for other people and hear them talk about mm-hmm. what, what works for them and kind of process it and think about how could I make that work for me, you know? So I really appreciate mm-hmm. you talking us through some of the things that work for you and that you've used with your clients um, yeah. because I think it can help other people kind of align their lives to be the best for them, you know? So yeah, yeah. thank well, this has been nice. Yeah, Yay. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed our conversation. Oh, well, thank you so much, Erin. And uh, I, uh, I look forward to talking to you soon and to sharing this podcast with everyone. So thanks so much for being here. I love learning more about Erin's journey and what's helped to shape her. It was so lovely to hear how her family created space for reflection and growth and allowed her to be vulnerable in a safe space. I found that so beautiful because it really seems to have provided a strong foundation and a model for how she forms and nurtures her relationships with others. I really also appreciate how she seeks a sense of balance in her life. Being connected to her personal value system allows her to make decisions and manage her time in a way that is supportive to her goals and needs. She's truly someone who lives her life with intention, which I find so inspiring. Those are some of my takeaways. I also, oh, I can't believe I didn't mention the calendar. I love the calendar. That was also a big takeaway for me. And I'm going to be using that as I kind of craft and put together my schedule in the future. But enough about me. <laughs> what are some of your takeaways after listening to this episode? Please comment in the comment section for this podcast on my website at www.ryanwellness.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.